Commutify presents Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Each week, we explore the challenging issues transportation demand management professionals face on their journey to transition commuters from driving alone to more sustainable, shared and active commuting habits. Be sure to subscribe to hear next week's episode and check out our exclusive commuter playlists on Spotify. This is Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Hi, everyone, and welcome aboard to this episode of Between the Lines. Uh, today, we're talking with Leo Frachet, the co-founder and executive director of Mobility Data. Uh, Leo spent five years at Transit as a data lead. We've talked to um, someone from that organization as well in a, in a past episode. Uh, where he worked on ingesting and cleaning general transit feed specification or GTFS data. And after running into many challenges, he made it his mission to resolve these data quality issues. And he joined Rocky Mountain Institute's Interoperability Transit Data Initiative, uh, which brought together stakeholders from across the industry to collaborate on developing solutions to the GTFS challenges. Actually, I think when I was at RMI a few years ago is when we first kind of connected. Um, so funny how the worlds kind of collide there. Um, this whole project ultimately spun into Mobility Data, which is a standalone international organization based in Montreal, Canada, which is where I am and you are right now. Uh, and this has brought together stakeholders on five continents to continue to improve, refine and expand GTFS and the general bike share feed specification or GBFS. So all this to say, you know what you're talking about. You're the expert here. And we are diving into why mobility data standards will help save the planet. But first, Leo, thanks for being on. Thanks for hosting me. And let's just kind of get into it. I think a lot of our listeners, they may be you know, familiar with GTFS, the term, or you know, they have an idea maybe of what mobility data is in some way. But can you just kind of define for us, what does the mobility data ecosystem look like right now in the world? Yes, so mobility data as a concept is extremely wide. Uh, what yeah. we are focusing on at mobility data is more precisely passenger information. So how you can think about it is when you want to travel somewhere, what are the informations that you need in order to make your journey? So which line should I take? which when is going to pass my bus, if I want to take a bike at a bike share system, how many bikes is there left? So all of those small pieces of information are what you need. And what you are expecting from all the different apps is what you would be expecting from a friend if you were asking somebody else, how can I go to your place? Just describe me the journey. So it is that specific type of mobility data on which um, my organization, our organization called Mobility Data, is focusing on. Um, so how does it look like? How does the ecosystem look like? We have all the companies who are operating the services. So you can think about public transit agency uh, in, in the major city. You can think about intercity coach uh, bus line, intercity train lines, uh, all the bike share, scooter share, car share you name it, share uh, organization, which are in the city, and all of them have are offering a service. And so all of them are describing their service with the data formats that we have in-house. That's what we call the producers of the data. And then there are all the services, all the, the apps, the website, 
that you are using to receive that information because very often nowadays you're not going directly to the website or your public transit agency to find that passenger information but you use an aggregator so it could be apple maps google maps transit app here city mapper move it uh, the list is very long and those entities which are providing you that passenger information are consuming that data which is being created by those data producer. So we help them communicate. We help those data producer and data cons consumer speak one to another. I really like that. I, I think that was really clear, actually. This is a pretty complicated uh, topic, but that, that makes sense to me. Something that I can add, which very, which sometimes use, um, something that I can add, which is sometimes very useful for people who are not coming from the tech world, is the analogy of the language. What we are in charge of is a language with like the dictionary and the syntax. So we are not the one creating the text. We are not the one creating the data sets. We have people speaking that language using it. But if there is a new concept that arises, for example, I don't know, scooter share, people are coming to us telling us, I want to describe something, but I don't have the words. So could you expand mm -hmm. the dictionary? And so what we do, our work at Mobility Data is to speak to the whole industry being like, okay, we need a new word. We have a new concept. Think about email, think about spam. How could we describe it? And then we discuss, we create draft, we agree on the new words, and then we add them to the dictionary so that all the stakeholders could be described that new reality using those, those new words in the dictionary. That's, that's even clearer. I really like that um, because I feel like, you know, everyone has experienced that even just within, you know, existing languages, you know, take English, like what is scooter share, ride share, ride hailing? These are new terms we had to kind of come up with and figure out how do we talk about this? Uh, it makes sense that it works the same in data. Yeah, how does data talk about this? How does data define um, this service? That makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's really cool. I mean, it sounds like what you're doing is really interesting. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about why it's important to focus on these data standards, you know, the quality of the data and the discoverability as well. Yes, with pleasure. So there are mostly two models uh, to make all of those, all of that uh, ecosystem work. Either we have the approach that we close, that we call the walled garden, the closed garden kind of approach where you have one private company providing you a set of services. So you have one private company, which maybe are providing you a taxi service, a bike share company that they own, and then their own app is going to describe their own system. With that approach, uh, the challenge for the person who wants to travel is that you will have different apps with different services and you will not have any easy way to see all the options. You will have no centralized way to see all the options. As soon as you want the traveler to have a centralized view, then you end up with multiple entities which needs to speak one to another. It's not something that one private organization is able to solve alone in their own corner of the earth, but it, it's a network and the network needs to communicate between all the different entities. And when you need to communicate, you need a language. And this is why we need the data format. So if the data format is the first stone, but the big challenge, what we are seeing very often is that the data set is like the first text that you are going to read in a language that you have just learned. I often, yeah, I often tell to stakeholder that 
once you will have your first data set, this is not the begin this is not the end of the journey, but this is just the beginning of the journey. Because very often the quality of the data is is able yeah. to be easily improved, to say it politely. So this is why we have those three axes at Mobility Data. The first one is the language. So as I said, it's about a dictionary, um, a grammar to explain how you should be writing the language. But then we have another vertical, which is about the data quality. So to help data producer, to help writers write uh, with the good spelling, we are providing software and quality assessment uh, processes to help them fix all the typos that they have made. You can really think about that as the small red wave that you have under a word which is misspelled in your favorite document, uh, document editor. So we call that a validator. It's a software to help public transit agency, to help data producer improve the quality of the data. What does that mean? That means that when instead of the, the mobility apps telling you, oh, take the line number two, and maybe you have no idea which line is the one, line which is number two, it's going to really tell you the information that you are used to here. Maybe take the green line, for example, and you'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, I know what is the green line. Or instead of telling that you have to take the stop, which is, I don't know, like fourth and 22nd, which you have no idea what it is, it will use the name that people are using to describe those reality. And the final section, uh, so you, you mentioned the three verticals at the beginning, which yep. is the data format, the quality of the data format, and then the discoverability of the data format. Again, you th- can think about a book. It's amazing if a book is written, if it's very interesting, if it's high quality, but if you have no way to know that the book exists, it is kind of pointless. And historically, it has been extremely difficult to find all the provider of services in a city. If you think about New York, for example, obviously you will think about the MTA, you will think about PATH, then you will start to think about NICE in in Nassau County, you will think about all those different suburb services, and then with shared mobility, you will be like, oh, maybe I should look for that services or this other services, but it's extremely challenging to to find them and to keep track of the evolutions. So what we are providing is a kind of a library of Congress approach for our listeners who are based in the US, but basically a centralized place where you will find all the data sets, all the books which are describing something in a specific place. Well, I I really love the uh, language analogy. I keep coming back to this. We were talking before about how I'm learning French and it's the same thing. Like the first sentence I said in French was not good. Um, The sentences I'm saying now in French are also not very good, but they're getting better. You know, I have the standards. I know I have the grammar I can follow to learn. What is it that I need to learn? What is the, you know, vocabulary I need? And then I can practice and learn, like improve that quality. And I can have someone, you know, tutor me or help me with that. And then, you know, Hopefully one day I'll be able to read books and I can continue to improve. And um, I think this is, uh, it really makes a lot of sense. And this need and data makes, you know, it, that's, that's an obvious uh, kind of corollary between the two. So let's assume this is, this is all going well. You're working on this. It sounds like it's going well. Um, how is this impacting, you know, people? How is this impacting someone's life? How does standardizing data impact a person's life? It, so depends what is the mobility profile of the person. Uh, if you think about somebody who is already taking public transit, 
that person, for example, it's late, it's during the night, and that person wants to go to another place, that person check on their phone, and they see that the next bus is going to be in 30 minutes and is going to, through a connection, bring them to their destination in like one hour. They know that path, and this is the one that they are used to take. But by using a mobility app, which is going to provide them more useful, more up-to-date information based on those data standards, it could tell them, well, you know, in fact, there is another bus that you are not used to take, but which is going to cut in half your journey. You just have to walk 10 minutes in that direction. And based, by the, based on the real-time information of where is the bus, you are going to turn your one-hour trip into a 30-minute trip. But maybe that app will even show them, well, in fact, have you heard about bike share? It's not complicated. Everything is already set up. You don't have to create an account. One day, hopefully, you will not have to create an account for every service. Here is the bike. Here is the journey. You are on the bike lane. Everything will be safe. And you will be able to go in maybe 10 minutes to your destination. Because at night, that could be the kind of very crazy wind that you can have. So that person will, that person have seen those bike share in the street, but maybe we'll have never dare to try them if without that app telling them in that specific instant, you would be saving up to 50 minutes by just daring to take one of those bikes. So it's about changing behavior by showing the people the choices that they have and giving to the people trust in the fact that they can rely on those new options. And it's the same thing about driving. Um, obviously, somebody who is driving will maybe not like drop the car from one day to another. But something that has been seen is when you want to drive to a city and it's there are traffic jam. If you want to, I don't know, spend the Sunday afternoon in, in downtown Toronto and you end up really stuck on the highway and you see that your GPS software is telling you you have 90 minutes up to downtown. But if you park at that park and ride, just 10 minutes away from there, you have a train which is going to bring you downtown in another 20 minutes. And you can slice your journey by one, by two thirds, just by using the park and ride. This is the kind of nudging which is going to be useful for the person, for the driver themselves. But we are going to speak about that later, I think, which is also better for the whole society because it push, it's pushing people toward shared modes of transportation, which are very often way more eco-friendly than the alone driver in their in a private car. Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense. But I think people, um, you know, think about mobility as a physical infrastructure, and we need to have this physical infrastructure that exists. But the data behind it is really what can help make sure people use it and make it, you know, be an efficient uh, system for people. Uh, it and makes on, a lot of sense. On, on that question, I think what always strikes me is that you can build the best public transit network that you want. If people do not know about it, it will just not be used. So at in all cases, there will be a certain level of passenger information that will be provided. It could be on the street. It could be in different ways. But this is required to have people taking it. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think to like my own uh, experience with, with transit, um, with public transit and, and the metro system here in Montreal, where, you know, my life is much easier when I know that, oh, the, you know, the train's coming in five minutes, I can leave the office, you know, I should leave the office now, or I should wait a few more minutes before I leave, 
Or when I get to a station I'm not sure of, it'll say something like uh, exit out of this exit to get to your next destination. There's things like that where it makes it much nicer. And, and I really, uh, it makes me want to use it more. And in a city like Montreal, the intermodal journeys are very often the fastest one, taking bike share to the subway and then the bike share again from the subway is during the summer at least very <laughs> often the fastest way to go somewhere to use the subway for the long distance uh, but because the density of subway station is not enough so that you can walk easily to the subway station using the bike share in order to make that last mile last kilometer um, is extremely effective but to do that you need that that uh, merging of the different source of data to have that comprehensive view Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so we had talked about earlier uh, this idea of GTFS pathways. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that is and, and how this kind of helps us represent real life in, in data? Yes. So we often, when we are thinking about moving in a city, we think about buses, we think about subway, we think about bikes, about cars, about all those things. But every single journey always start and end with always the same mode of transportation, which are the feet. Uh, some people have specific needs, people in wheelchair, and not everybody is bipeds, but 99% of the population, which is bipeds, is starting and ending on their feet. And the challenge is that very often that first and, and last link is not described well by the mobility apps. If you think about your favorite um, GPS apps for, for driving, they are always going to assume that your car is suddenly appearing in front of your doorstep <laughs> and that regardless of where you are driving to, I don't know, the post office, the mall, the shop, when you will arrive at destination, your car will suddenly find a parking spot and you will be <laughs> at destination. We all know that in most city, this is untrue. So GTFS pathways started with kind of the same um, observation with public transit, which is that you need to walk up to the platform and sometimes it's kind of challenging to go from the entrance of the subway to the platform. It, the conversation stemmed from a conversation with somebody with some special needs regarding mobility. That person is using a wheelchair who was telling us that if one elevator is down, the whole journey could be just impossible to make. But that person will not know until they will have made all the journey until one connection or maybe even the destination and they will be on the platform and they will then be able to get out of the station because one elevator is down and back in the days we had no way to represent that in the data we didn't have the word in the dictionary in order to describe all those different kind of use cases because obviously knowing that an elevator is down in the station is not useful you need to know which elevator linking which section to which section so um, that was the need that was identified and brought to us we did some research, we created a draft of uh, extension of data format, basically a few new words with a few new definitions. And we did a pilot. So a few cities were part of the pilot, San Francisco, uh, California, US, Boston, obviously, Massachusetts, US, and also a few other data set has been uh, collected by an Ukrainian company in Moscow and St. Petersburg back in the days. And since the draft that we had was good and that it was working it has been officialized uh, the community decided to bless that extension in order to make it part of the standards and now this is official since i don't remember 2000 
18, maybe something like that, give or take one year. And now we see a few uh, new data sets which are being uh, produced using that extension and which allow to have not only routing for people in um, in a wheelchair, but for any for broad diversity of special needs. Somebody with people with strollers. I mean, every single one of us have been a ba- have been a baby at some point. So very likely, every single one of us has been in a stroller at some point. People with luggages, all the people who have some need regarding that, are able to define in those uh, mobility apps the level of um, access that they need so that they could have a a journey which is planned based on the need that they have or optimized for the need that they have. I really like that uh, you all are sitting, I'm imagining like this group of of people, this panel that's like sitting behind the scenes going, uh, here's a problem, we're gonna solve it behind the scenes and and fix it. it's, it's pretty interesting. So people can come and say, hey, here's this other thing that's going on. And you can use GTFS, you can use data to say, how can we how can we fix this? How can we make this better? Uh, that's pretty cool. Exactly. And so more recently, just one week ago, I think it was last Tuesday. So I'm speaking, uh, we are yeah. end of May. So I think it was around uh, mid-May 2022. Um, another big extension of GTFS has been made to better describe the pricing uh, yeah. of the journey. So it has been made with the implication of the state of Maryland in the US and with the regional um, metropolitan Bay Area. So all the very greater San Francisco in California, US, who have once again, we Mobility Data drafted an extension to the data format. They have been describing their fares using that data format. Everything was working well. The community had conversation and we extended, we officialized the extension of the specification. And maybe to give some sneak peek of what is coming ahead, we are working with quite a few stakeholders from the US, Canada, Australia, the UK, and France. And I apologize if I'm forgetting a country, which very likely I am, on extending GTFS for a better description of on-demand services. So on-demand services is very broad. It, it goes from having the bus, just making a detour to pick somebody sometime in Berlin, Germany, for example, the bus at night can make a detour to drop somebody at their doorstep. And then we have bus, which just go through an area and depending on the service, they will have different journey. And then it go all the way up to, well, the most endermond that you have, which is a taxi going from anywhere, any point in an area to any point in an area. So this is what we are working on. We have both TNCs involved. We have um, in Montreal and in France, the public governmental entity in charge of taxi regulation. And we have also quite a few stakeholders involved on uh, paratransit. Um, So as defined in the US, so all the services for people with special needs related to mobility. So maybe in one year, that will be official in GTFS. That would be awesome. I I love that. And and you kind of beat me to this question, but I was going to ask you, where's the future? How do you envision the future of, of mobility and mobility data, um, you know, maybe beyond these things that you've already mentioned? Yeah, so I think regarding passenger information, there are two very distinct challenges. The first challenge is to help the person decide on the journey that they want to make. Uh, so 
we have so many options and the, the choice can depend on so many things. If you are tired, you're not going to do the same thing that if you are full of energy. If it's raining, you are going to take another option than if it's just a very nice, warm weather. Um, so easing the choice is uh, is the first thing you can will you can really think of reducing the the tiredness of making choice during the day to go somewhere, and then the second challenge that very often we for, we forget when we think about passenger information is actually going through the journey, uh, which is not easy. We have that 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 we are used when we are driving to have a turn right at the next crossing, go on, enter the highway and all those kind of things, the turn by turn approach. We don't have that for public transit. I don't know any apps which is at that level of holding the hand to the traveler. It will always be, well, find the subway station and take the line number lettered F maybe. And then you go on an adventure to find that. So having a system which makes it extremely easy where you can just follow and walk through the different steps just like a driving gps would be do doing would obviously be kind of the dream of mobility and if you think about the payment part of it so payment is a big challenge when you arrive in a new city well there is what is the journey i want to do but also how do i get a ticket should i get a ticket how is the fare structure working um, there are some um, startups in some european country which have simplified payment up to a point that personally I find amazing where you just turn on uh, the app on your phone it's going to track the journey that you are making and then it's going just to analyze the journey and say oh you have used that streetcar from that stop to this stop and then you took the train from that station to that station and then you took the bus and we are just going to invoice you for all the journey that you have made without having you trying to understand anything about the pricing system and all of that. You just turn the app, it's going to invoice, and then very often you have ceiling, so you don't have to think about should I take a monthly pass, a weekly pass. It's just going to be a fair capping is going to apply. And you can just forget. You can just forget about all the question of the pricing scheme, whether or not you have bought your monthly card for the next month before the first date, because on the bus you cannot recharge it and all those kind of edge cases. And you can just enjoy public transit. I tried it once. It was amazing. It was scary because technically you, you board a train without a ticket. So when the... I do not know the name in English, but when the person in charge of validating the tickets uh, came to me, it was a bit frightening to say, well, I do not have a ticket, but I have this app. And that person smiles and tells me everything's good. <laughs> but for me, yeah, the future of mobility looks like that. You have an easy way to choose your journey. You have an easy way to go through your journey without trying to needing to think too much about, should I turn left? Should I enter the subway here? And then you don't have to care about payment because all of that is just being handled by the the simplicity of technology. Yeah, I I love that vision. I am looking forward to that vision coming to uh, to reality because I agree it'd be amazing if you can kind of treat the multimodal um, you know com a commuter trip to be the same as if you were driving this imaginary car that somehow picks you up where you already are and drops you off exactly where you need to be, which you already mentioned is, is not perfect in itself. But I mean, this, 
that would be amazing. And I'm really excited to see uh, in the cost thing as well, if you can centralize that, that cost, that makes a lot of sense. It makes it much simpler to use. So we have uh, our final question, uh, which we asked to all of our guests. Um, and this one's an interesting one because I think you go a lot of different ways. So I'm excited to see what you have to say on this. But uh, why do you think mobility data standards will help save the planet? It's a vast question. <laughs> exactly. So if we specifically speak about the climate crisis that we are facing and which impact can have mobility data standards on the on the climate crisis. I do not know the percentage by heart, but uh, transportation accounts for kind of a large portion of the CO2 emissions that um, that are ongoing every year. The, the The goal is, as I explained a little bit earlier, to ease the use of public transit and more broadly shared mode of transportation by the population, by making it way easier to use, by building uh, trust in the general public that, oh, yes, I see my bus, I see where it is, I see that it is coming, so I see that, yes, if I go to the bus stop, I, I trust the fact that the bus will pass in three minutes because I see the small thing moving on my screen instead of not knowing if I'm going to wait half an hour before my bus pass. So the, the goal is to, one of the multiple goals regarding the one specifically targeted to the climate crisis is to help the general public use public transit and other mode of transportation to reduce the use of the private car with very often only one passenger on board and therefore to reduce the CO2 emissions uh, of the transportation sector. We know that uh, electrification of the cars is part of the solution, but we also know that if we were just replacing all the cars uh, today by electric cars, it would not be solving the climate crisis. First, because the electricity has to be produced and also because the infrastructure which is required to have all those cars on the road, but also to have all the future cars due to the growth of population on the road is something which is just exponential and which is unsustainable. But by having that mode shift to not sub, not specifically subway, not specifically one mode of transportation, but having that mode shift to a cocktail of different modes of transportation, we'll be able to... Um, I don't know if it will be able to solve the climate crisis, but at least it should be able to reduce um, significantly the CO2 emission of the transportation sector. I like it. Yeah, it just this whole conversation is all about how do we make it easier for everyone to, exactly. to use this system, that these systems that exist and uh, get out of their car and, and feel more comfortable and, and know kind of the system a lot better. Uh, it's, this is really cool. And this has been a really interesting conversation. I, I, we could, I'm sure we could talk for another hour. Uh, maybe we'll have you back on another episode when there's a new, uh, a new piece of the GTFS um, kind of system coming out. But uh, this has been great. I am looking forward to this future that you envision coming true and, and being a reality. Um, but thanks again for being on, Leo. Thanks for hosting me. And to everyone who's listening, thanks again for, for listening this week. And uh, if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe on 
uh, betweenthelines.io to our newsletter and uh, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or the video up on YouTube. Um, it's kind of fun to, to see the conversation in kind of real life uh, as, you're, as you're working or just uh, want to check it out. Once again, uh, thanks for coming and we will see you all again on our next episode. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Be sure to subscribe to hear next week's episode and check out our exclusive commuter playlists on Spotify.